Hey there, dog people of the internet. I'm Sarah Stremming, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Join me as I share my thoughts, experiences, and cases as I interview experts and answer your questions when it comes to the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. It's a new year and I have a news flash. Black lives still matter. I'm looking forward in 2021 to not only continuing to donate to causes that I believe in, but also to providing more of a platform for BIPOC voices in the dog world here on Cog Dog Radio. So stay tuned. Hey everybody, it's Sarah. I'm here with Marissa. Say hi, Marissa. Hello, Marissa. Just kidding. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's Marissa. Um, today, we're coming at you December 2021. Yep. And the reason we're talking today is because this is the time of year that everybody makes these big claims, right? We get real excited about New Year, New You. <laughs> and it is honestly maddening a lot of the time for so many reasons but i think people do this with their dog training too and their mm -hmm. dog life as well like this isn't only about gym memberships it's also about dog stuff yeah and marissa and i were talking about the fact that you know maybe it's not the best idea <laughs> to come at january 1st with what everybody calls a resolution. Yeah. And of course, we're not just going to say don't resolve to do something, right? Mm -hmm. Or not do something. We're going to talk about maybe some actionable steps and and tear this apart a little bit, but um you know me, Marissa, I like to start with the definition. Yeah. Resolution is defined as a firm decision to do or not do something. That, this is why I like to start with definitions. Mm -hmm. Because we have stories in our head about what a resolution is, but it's just a firm decision to do or not do something. Yeah, to like add more walks mm -hmm. or to avoid a specific location on the walk or add more enrichment. Or avoid. Or like, I'm going to make Kongs every week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to finally teach my dog to do cooperative toenails. Right. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Or I'm going to avoid making mistakes during my training plans. Right. Like. Yeah, I'm going to actually plan my training. Yeah. I'm going to record keep. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of different ways that this could look, and I think it's really important for us to recognize what's driving this behavior because I think what's wrong with the resolution idea to me is that it disregards the behavior has function. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't just tell another being to do or not do something. Right. Yeah. I mean, not if you want to be effective. Yeah, behavior change is way more complex than that. And we would all be working out, like you were talking about the gym membership, which is a really common January resolution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We would all be working out four times a week consistently if behavior change was that easy. However, it's not. 
Yeah. It's more complicated. Than it's that. more complicated than that because it's mm-hmm. just more complicated than to decide mm-hmm. to do or not to do <laughs> yeah. in the definition. Yeah. yeah. So this resolution idea disregards the behavior has function. Mm-hmm. So there, right there, it's yucky to me, but the resolution behavior itself, like the behavior of making a resolution mm-hmm. has a function. So if we get to what that function is, I think maybe we can replace it with some other things. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking about this earlier in the sense that like a lot of us are not designed, I mean, maybe behavior consultants and trainers are, but a lot of us are not designed to think about the process of behavior change for humans, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to share the example, um, even though I I know a thing or two about behavior change. I made the same stinking mistake with a fellow colleague of mine who also knows a thing or two about behavior. (laughs) We decided to have a resolution that we wouldn't watch Netflix for one week. And it was funny because I remember when we made it, I was very, I was like really hesitant to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, a whole week. Like, oh my gosh what am I going to do with that, with some of that time? And what, and she and I made that decision. I forgot about it. So that's how important it was to me. And then on Monday morning, she shoots me a text being like, it's Netflix free week. And I was like, damn it. You were like, oops, better turn the TV off. (laughs) (laughs) So then 12 hours in, I break the resolution, have a lot of shame around it, called her, missed her, following day, called her again, because I wanted to tell her like, hey, I, I you know, I, I wasn't going on a shame spiral. I just was like, hey, listen, I've already blown it. I just want, I just want you to know about this. And I get on the phone and I say, hey, I've already blown it. And she's like, oh my God, I already blew it too. <laughs> like the two of us just I love re-engaged. This in a behavior that we find reinforcing, obviously, because the behavior continued, we re-engage in a behavior that works for us, that gets reinforced in some capacity, that filled a need in some capacity, um, 12 hours into our like alleged, you know, one week off Netflix. <laughs> Which is funny because I just operated from this place of like, I'm just not gonna do that behavior anymore. And again, like total disregard. I love what you said, Sarah, about like, just total disregard that that behavior had a function, that it was functional mm-hmm. for me in some capacity. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't go down the rabbit hole and ask my, myself the questions of what is that function? What's the need? All of that. And I just made my resolution, right? And like blew up in my face 12 hours in. Of course. Because clearly the function of that behavior was really going to need to be met somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think if you would like to, like, we're not here saying that you can't change. You could, you can, of course you can. People do all the time. I think what's important though, is to ask what's the function of this behavior? What need does this behavior meet for me? And if you get real about that, then maybe you can line up some alternatives to that behavior. 
like what need this might be too personal a question what need does netflix meet for humor (laughs) well and i have to say it's funny because i i was thinking about this like what need does it actually need for me and i think it's based on the conditions which i i think is really important for our Mm. our pet parents to think about is that like not all behavior like the function of the behavior, even though the behavior remains the same, the function of the behavior might change based off of the conditions in the environment. Mm. So like most of the time when I'm watching Netflix, I'm not really watching it. It's just like sitting next to me, playing a silly show in the background and I'm doing work at the computer. So I think I may be trying to avoid a little bit of work and maybe mm. I'm also um, wanting more stimulation around me because I'm really extroverted and mm-hmm. and I miss working in a shelter. So mm-hmm. in that particular, in those conditions, I think I'm avoiding work a little bit, and I'm all, I'm like leaning into like noise around me. I'm avoiding silence, maybe right. Mm. But when I'm so in it's my meeting, bed, it's literally an attempt to meet a social need. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. And if I am laying down watching a show like that I actually really care about, not just something I have mm-hmm. it on the background, that is more of like, okay, I'm winding down. I just use a ton of brain power all day long to engage in work. I've been, you know, moving around my day and now I just kind of want to tune out to something where I don't really have to think too much. And that is, I'm trying to lean in more to rest and relaxation. Um, It's a decompression activity. Yeah. 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 So it's different based off of the conditions for sure. Yeah. So I think this brings me to you know, we're, we're asking what's the function. You've got kind of two primary different conditions Mm -hmm. under which you do this behavior. Mm -hmm. And in both conditions, the function feels different. Yeah, it does. So then I think the next question is why is this behavior a problem? And is it a problem in both conditions or in only in one? You didn't know that we were going to solve your Netflix problem today, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Why is it a problem? Um, it's funny because so many people that know that I have like shame around this are like, mm. are you kidding me? You right. work so hard. Why right. can't you like sprinkle a little Netflix? I think it's the quantity. I have judgment around the quantity where so I'm a like. problem because of judgment and shame. It's not yeah, a real problem. Exactly. Then? I believe so, Sarah. It's a real problem. Yeah, I am having shame and judgment around like how much I have it on in the background and how much I have watched. Or or like what else I could be doing with that time. Uh, like like there's uh-oh. there's also something like okay. I have a ton of books stacked here that I'm like dying to read. You feel like you should decompress. You should decompress by reading instead. Yes. Yes. There is like a, okay. Marissa, you say you don't have time for these things, you know, in air quotes, yep. but you have time for 
you know, Shit's Creek. You've got which everybody has time for that. There's I mean, like you need to have time for I Schitt's need Creek. you need to have time yeah. for Shit's Creek. Yeah. But like I don't have time for Riverdale. I'm sorry. No one has time for Riverdale. <laughs> so yeah. like okay. you know what I'm saying? So I feel like I wish my decompression activities were it's interesting, more productive. That's the word that comes to mind. You know, this always comes, it always comes back to this one trait for you. Whether or not I'm enough. Yeah, it's yeah, always about always. productivity. It's mm-hmm. always about was I enough today? Mm-hmm. So I think we just decided that you can watch Netflix if you okay, thank want you. to. <laughs> well, it's funny because I've been in this place where I'm like, Marissa you enjoy it. It's okay. We don't need to go down like a shame spiral. It, about keeps it. Com- no it always comes back to that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's okay. kind of like what it was like when we were talking, were, is it when we were talking to Emily Nagoski that you said something along the lines of you, you'll be more productive if you're rested. And uh, so therefore, oh, yes, yes, and so yes, like, that's yes. why you should rest. Yes. Yes. There was like, and I was like, was... did you really just say the reason for rest is to be more productive? Correct. Which I mean, pot kettle, like here we are, yeah. we're talking yeah. about you, but we may as well be talking about me. I certainly don't have any problematic behaviors that I engage in <laughs> that I would want to solve. You notice that we're talking about yours <laughs> and not mine. <laughs> um, so I do think that if you want to resolve something with your dog or with, you know, if you want to resolve to walk your dog three times a week instead of once, Mm -hmm. you want to ask these questions again, right? Like what function is currently being met by you not doing that? Because you're doing something else instead, Mm -hmm. right? There is no, I'm going from nothing to something. There is no lack of behavior. But let's say the only time that you have to walk your dog, to take your dog on a decompression walk, is if you get up at four in the morning. Let's just say that that's maybe the situation you're in, that because of who your dog is or because of your work schedule or like whatever it is, you need to get up at four to do this activity. Mm -hmm. And so you have carved that out one day a week. Let's say you do it on Wednesdays before you go to work, you get up at four and you take the dog on a decompression walk. And on the other days, let's say you sleep till six. And so the function of the other behavior that you're currently doing is sleeping. More rest. And maybe the night before you get to spend more time with your family because you are not going to bed as early because you don't have to get up before, you know, mate, like mm-hmm. trace everything back and find out what you're doing now. That's going to have to be replaced with this new behavior and ask yourself if that's even feasible. Yeah. You know, because I'm going to say, and our friend Emily Nagoski said this clearly and is right. This is the research is without sleep. Without adequate sleep, nothing is beneficial to you. Mm -hmm. If you get up, if you only sleep six hours so that you can go work out, but your body needs eight hours, you're doing more damage to yourself by getting up to go work out, Mm -hmm. right? It's not wise of us to forego sleep. So that means if you're going to walk the dog three days a week in the morning, 
then three nights a week, you figure out how to make sure you get those two hours, right? It can't be that you just lose sleep. Yeah, because it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy for you. You have to put your own oxygen mask on first. I'm here to tell you if I had to get up at 4 a.m. to walk my dogs, they'd never go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, same. That's just not my reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing the behavior has function is the first place to be. And so if the function of going on the decompression walk is actually that you and your dog will both feel more mentally healthy and well and physically Mm -hmm. healthy and well throughout the week, that's a pretty big payoff. Yep. The behavior tends to not work like that. It tends to not be reinforced by these long-term good things that happen, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, asking, is this a problem? Does your dog really need three decompression walks a week? Maybe he does. It's really possible that he does. If you're my client, I probably told you he does. Yeah, that's very <laughs> true. I told you. Um, so in which case, only going once really is a problem and is worth digging into. But maybe you just have shame around other people going on a lot of decompression walks and you think one is not enough. So yeah. you're coming from that place of not enough again. And that's just, to me, can we just state that like that's not a good motivator? That's not the motivator that you should allow to drive you. What were we going to say? Well, I was going to say, I'm just thinking of my client yesterday where it was very clear. I have a young child. This is what I can do. Mm-hmm. And so I wound up changing in the, in the time frame that she has to dedicate to this dog, we're going to modify certain things instead of adding a bunch of things onto her life, because it was very clear that like there were limitations, right? That like she has other reinforcers outside of the dog that are spending time with her son, taking care of the house, like work, like there's all these other things that she has to tend to and that she's being, you know, driven or drawn to, to engage in. And she's limited time for the dog. So for me to say to her, I actually said, let's try to do, let's start off with, um, I think it was, uh, one decompression walk this weekend. I like actually broke it down mm. really small for her. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, I want to see if her behavior is different on the trail behind your house versus her behavior is different walking in your neighborhood. Right. Because mm-hmm. she's hypervigilant hunting. She's up in the mountains, like all the things. Um, and she was like, Oh, okay, great. I can, I can experiment with that. Right. Like I sort of tried to break it down, make it really, really small and simple for her. And she said at one point, I need to exercise too. And I know she needs exercise. And so if, if it's more, if this walk becomes more enjoyable, because you're now telling me to do it in this, in this way, this might be a really good outlet for both of us. And, but again, I tried to just, Hey, I'd like for this to happen. Is that feasible? And she was like, yeah, this is feasible. I'm going to do a test run this weekend. And then we can reassess, right? Versus like, hey, I need you to do four decompression walks a week. And I need you to do, I need you to do all these million things and then check in. And then she's got shame that she hasn't done all of it, right? Yeah. And so maybe that's another thing we add to this list. And another reason that I think that this fails, besides the fact that it disregards how behavior works. Mm-hmm. 
it's also disregarding how learning happens, which is that it happens in approximations. Mm -hmm. It happens in chunks. It doesn't happen all at once. You don't wake up on January 1st, the type of person who goes to the gym every day at 5 a.m. Yeah, I certainly don't. That's yeah, that's never happening. Um, Never happening. Never. That's my own. That's my version of hell. I think Um, (laughs) the morning plus the gym. Like, and if yeah, and if you add in a stationary bike, like (laughs) done, (laughs) done. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm out of there. So, (laughs) so thinking, what is the function? Mm -hmm. of this thing I want to do, or what is the current function of this thing I want to stop? Like both of those things need to be thought about whether or not this is a real problem and thinking you're not enough is a story you're telling. It's a fake problem. It's not a real problem. Like the problem is that you think you're not enough, Mm -hmm. not that you aren't enough because you're not walking the dog three times a week. And then I think thinking what else you know, like in the Netflix example, it's okay. If you want to stop having Netflix playing while you work because you think it hurts your productivity, mm-hmm. how else can you get that social need met? Right? Can you arrange to have like lunch over Zoom a couple days a week with mm-hmm. somebody else? Like, how else can you meet those that that kind of um need for voices and people and that Schitt's Creek is currently meeting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. None of their voices are going to be David's. So I don't know (laughs) if this is going to (laughs) work. Love. Um, Cause I personally need David's voice. Yeah. In my life. So if if y'all had talked to me about stopping the Netflix, I would have told you all where to go. I would have been like, that's fun. Have, Have a nice time with that. Yeah. I'm going to go watch Shit's Creek now. Yeah. Um, so it's what else can meet that need though? Like what else could you do? Because it, you, it can't be, I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. It has to be, I'm going to do this instead. Yeah. And if you're already saying I'm going to do this instead, like if that's the resolution that you have, rather than stopping doing something, it's I'm going to start doing something like I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to, you know, whatever, like train my dogs more than normal. Or a lot or of my yeah. clients, mm-hmm. um, it's about record keeping and planning when it comes to training, because that's, that's very hard for a lot of people. It's hard for mm-hmm. me. Like it's hard. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a hard thing to do. It's, it feels like an inaccessible behavior for a lot of us mm-hmm. to do that part. So a lot of my clients will be like, you know, I'm going to keep a training notebook this year and I'm going to actually keep notes in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So you're going to do that instead of after your training sessions, just, you know, whatever it is that you currently do. Maybe you wrap it up and don't think about it again, or maybe you put the video on YouTube, but never watch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of us. Um, or maybe the video sits on your phone and you have like 10,000 videos on your phone and your phone doesn't work anymore. I'm not talking about myself. That's certainly not what's going on with me right now. Um, <laughs> And so maybe you're rather than that, you're going to do this. Well, does this serve whatever the function is of those other things that you're doing? No, it's, it's acting to serve like a bigger function Mm -hmm. that you think you 
want to have access to. So it's basically asking like, what, what problem does it solve if I start doing this behavior? And then recognize that just solving that problem is unlikely to sustain that behavior if that behavior is extremely difficult and disregards other functions. Mm -hmm. Record keeping in your training will solve a lot of your training problems. Your training will be more efficient. Your sessions will be, will go so much faster. All of your training, like it will solve so many things, but none of those things will actually reinforce the behavior of record keeping because they're too long-term. They happen too, too long afterward. So now you have to set up contingencies for yourself to make sure that you do that thing. Right. So like Marissa, if you tell me that you're going to train Sully three times this week and that you are, you resolve to record keep each time, then maybe the contingency is that you just shoot me a text and you say like, you know, Hey, uh, I use a number system one to five for my sessions. And you, maybe you say, Hey, Sully had a three today. This is what I'm going to do next time. Cause that's the extent of my record keeping mm -hmm. is a rank and a plan for next time. Yeah. Cause I've tried to be the other kind of person that like does math, which oh, is gosh. cute. Yeah. Because of course I was never going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, but just a number of how this, like a rank of how this went and what you're going to do next time is literally all you ever have to do. And then if you've got a contingency set up where you tell somebody that you did that, sometimes for us, it's just so reinforcing to just hear like, hey, rock on, good work. Mm -hmm. And how exciting that you get to do that next time. Sometimes that's all we need because we're social creatures. Mm -hmm. But those contingencies, they've got to be in place. I, I, I think about like crossing it off a list. Mm. And I'm like, mm. then I, then I hear my dear friend, Kathy Sadeo say, are you driven or are you drawn? Well, and and like, why is she saying that? Because is it crossing off a list that feels it, more like a negative, a negative reinforcement yeah. to me, right? Mm -hmm. Now, honestly, cool. We as adult humans on planet earth are primarily operating in negative reinforcement uh, yeah. contingencies. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I'm not saying that's bad inherently. Mm -hmm. I think it's fine. Um, I literally make a list every single day so that I get to mm -hmm. cross it off. I mean, yeah, there's like, there's a part of it that yes, you, I might be like, you know, is having something on a list to do, does it, I think it's just really important for us to be careful that whether or not it's sucking the joy out of it. Right. Because it is a negative mm -hmm. reinforcement contingency. Right. So when I write down like train Sully or whatever it is, right. That I want to do more of. And honestly, like I will put it on, I'll put it on my to-do list. Like so do I. Uh, decompression walk, new neighborhood. Like I, I will add it in because it, there are these things that happen throughout my day that I, that are not on the list. And then I'm like, Oh wait, I didn't get to those things. I was like, well, of course you didn't because you didn't put them on the list. And I feel so silly to like put workout or decompression walk or training session with Sully on the list. But like, there is not silly Marissa because it's contingencies. It's literally just putting, it's just building a contingency mm -hmm. system into everything that you need to get done. And it's a contingency plan that has worked for you historically. So it's not silly at all. Yeah. Why doesn't my brain um, make the parallel? Because you just think you're special. 
well, <laughs> there's like no it's because the judgment overrides mm-hmm, it the totally is. rational thought it's i'm like that's mm-hmm. so silly you need to do it it's like well it's not silly when you write podcast edits it's not silly when you write when you write yeah, social no. like, like it's, none of that because it feels like here's that word again you shouldn't have uh-huh. to put that on a list yes but it's funny i it gets done when it's on the list so just put it on the flipping just, list just put it on the list and um <laughs> again being really mindful like did I just walk silly because it's on the list or like going back to Kathy am I driven or drawn to it and some days I some days might be different right depending on the conditions of everything around me well and Um, anytime you're trying to actually alter behavior recognize and appreciate that that the old behavior patterns that you had were there for a reason and so that means that some days are going to be harder than others to do the other thing do the other thing yeah, and that's just okay sometimes you are going to be drawn instead of driven Mm -hmm. so the metaphor of a path in a forest and if you've walked one path for years that path is worn that path is easy to take so when you're trying to forge a new path you just have to sometimes like there are going to be days when you're like oh but this old path is so easy like, I don't want to yeah. crawl that, like, really, I mean, Pacific Northwest in particular, going off the path is, like, treacherous. You're going to get stuck in something. The plant life here is just aggressive. Um, <laughs> but, like, you have to just set up that contingency. If you put it on, if, if putting it on your list mm-hmm. to forge that other path today makes you forge the other path because it's just that, a little bit of that negative reinforcement contingency that pushes you there. You do it and eventually it gets easier and easier and that path gets more and more worn and the other path gets overgrown and it just becomes your new pattern. Mm-hmm. But recognizing for ourselves as well as for our dogs that yeah. it doesn't matter how attractive you make the new path. What if the new path goes to this like beautiful view of the ocean and the other path doesn't? So there's that maybe drawing me that way. However, some days is not going to be good enough unless I've also got that negative reinforcement contingency. It's behavior change is hard, even if that other behavior feels so much better. There's so many behaviors like that. I feel so much better overall when I work out and drink a lot of water. Shocking. I know this is like so surprising, right? But that's not who I've been my whole life. I've always been like decent about water, right? But the water also feels like it comes from a negative reinforcement place too, because I'm better about drinking water when I'm in a dry climate. Like when I'm in Colorado, Mm -hmm. I can't get enough water. Mm -hmm. In the Northwest, I can forget to drink water, Mm -hmm. right? So making sure I drink X amount of water and do this much working out my long-term effects are so positively reinforcing, but they're too long-term Yeah, to be the thing in the moment. And therefore in the moment, it's gotta be on the list so that I can cross it off. Yeah, the long-term, I appreciate you bringing this up. The long-term contingency is not as- it's not effective. It's not effective, yeah. It's not effective at all. And we- that's where those shoulds come in too. Mm-hmm. Is like, well, I should 
prefer to read a book in bed at night because society told me that that's better or whatever, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you legitimately sleep better if you do that versus watch TV. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a real mm-hmm. thing, right? But that long-term contingency isn't going to change behavior. It never has. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a choice in the moment and the choice in the moment might have to be a negative reinforcement contingency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I do I I really appreciate you saying you know circling back to the beginning like is the behavior that you're wanting to change whether it's your dog's behavior or your behavior with your dog or in yeah. life period is it really a problem does it need changing do you need to change it yeah I don't know. I just feel like that, that is, um, you know, we could get, we can get caught up in all of the shoulds. Like we should do this. We shouldn't do this. And it's funny as I'm like, as we're having this conversation and I'm thinking about the behavior of engaging in Netflix or, you know, even the, like having to write it down that I'm going to do three different neighborhoods to enrich my senior dog's life. Mm-hmm. it's on the list. I'm like, Oh my gosh, none of this feels like a problem as we're talking it through. None of it really feels like a problem. Yeah. And then therefore like, does anything need to change? And I, I just, I think about some of, of, um, the clients that I have been fortunate enough to connect with, like, because of the podcast or on Instagram that I've done remote sessions with them. And a lot of the times it's me just being like, yeah, you don't need to do all this stuff. Like, I know you're inundated with information and you're really excited about this new technique, or you see other people on Instagram doing decompression walks. It looks like three times a day. Like Mm. it's not like, do you actually need to do this? And Mm -hmm. a lot of my clients that I think are what you and I would call like pet plus clients, like these Mm -hmm. clients that are like really dedicated to their dogs that are listening to podcasts about dogs, period. Um, They almost need to do less sometimes. Like I have one client that's really just undoing her need to do so much. Yeah. She's like, she's like, we're having a boring October and she got through this October. It was like, it's just gonna be boring. And it's like bled into November. And she's like, I kind of want to have a boring November too. I'm just going to be present with my dog. And I was like, oh, wow. I love this because sometimes we can get so caught up with what we should or shouldn't do. And then here comes a new year's resolution culture. And we're like, which just feeds that narrative. Yeah, of you're not doing enough. You're mm-hmm. not doing enough. And, you know, it's so important for us to really just spiral back, look at it from over here and go, is this really a problem? Mm-hmm. If this were somebody that I love doing this, would I feel that, would I feel compelled to intervene? Like, mm-hmm. Marissa's telling me about her Netflix problem and I, I feel compelled to tell her to watch all the Netflix she friggin' wants to because yeah. she works hard and I don't think she's hurting anything. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you were telling me that you were engaging in some other problematic behavior that was maybe like bad for your health or dangerous, mm-hmm. I would feel differently about it. Yeah. So think about it, not as you, but as somebody that you care about. That's usually to me, that's a really good check. 
because I just hold myself to ridiculous standards that I don't hold other people to. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a good check. And like, when I look at my clients, you know, so frequently they are what you're, you're describing. They're doing, 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 they're really worried about not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And in reality, I so frequently tell people to do less. Yeah. I so frequently am like, okay, I want you to back off this stuff that you're doing. I want you to ramp up this stuff, this decompression stuff, enrichment stuff. And I want you to just see how that feels. Mm -hmm. You know, give that a week, see how that feels. While recognizing that these people doing a lot with their dogs has a function too, right? So if a person goes to agility class on Monday night and nose work class on Tuesday night and rally class on Wednesday night and um, you know, then they maybe have a private lesson on Thursday and then they go to an agility trial or a nose work trial or something over the weekend. Yeah. And then it starts all over again on Monday. And this dog is having some behavior concerns that I think would probably be helped by an increase in those decompression type of activities. I have to recognize that there's a reason this person does something every single night of the week and, yep. and respect that and talk to them about that and say, you know, I'd like you to kind of shift your energy here, but is there a way that we can, you know, not strip you of your social life? If this is the extent of your social life, which for yeah. so mm -hmm. many dogs, community, it is, it's their community. Um, recognize how painful that can be for them. I'm curious to know that when you work with clients and maybe some of my questions are a little bit too open-ended, when I have asked clients, like, how do you often remember something really important? Sure. A lot of them don't know. Like, it's really, it's really interesting. Like these, I'm just asking a question about like, okay, we want to incorporate this into your day. Yeah. What are again, strategies that you it can't use? be January 1st? I resolve too. It's got to be every single day. Mm -hmm. You put it on your list. That's how you make sure. Yeah. So for me, it's on my list yeah. or it's like on my calendar. So there's like, there's a few things that I do that I then share with them as examples, but I'm always surprised at how many people do not know the answer to that. And maybe it's because I'm going from like, we're talking about their dog to now all of a sudden we're talking about their behavior. Could be, like could be could, a transition issue it, for it, them. It could be so that. I, would, I think it's not specific enough. I think you say, um, if you're, you know, like you ask them something really specific about like, how do you remember to do this? Like, um, yeah, sure. Instead how of just do you, in general, you know, right. If you pick up your kid every day at three, do you have a reminder set to do that? Or do you just remember to do it? Right. Yep. And it starts to like, tell you, you know, how many people would probably feel ashamed that they have to set a timer to pick up their child. Oh, I bet. But in reality, you're just a human. You just yeah. need a cue to do the thing. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I think I would get specific about yeah. it. That like, makes sense. Or because like I if think it's too vague. You know, like if you take, you know, you don't, it's hard because you want to be specific, but you don't want to be too personal. Right? You don't want to be mm -hmm. like, do you take medication? How do you yeah. remember to take it? Right? How do you remember to take your medication? <laughs> exactly. Which I take a ton of supplements and I started adding it like those, my supplements are somewhere in the kitchen. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm always forgetting them. So I literally put a visual cue. Mm-hmm. And now I take them religiously every day. Yeah. I put mine with my coffee. Uh-huh. Because I already have a ritual of making coffee every stack. single morning. Yep. Mm-hmm. So then if my supplements are there, done. I take done. them because they're mm-hmm. there. And talking to people about those rituals and just kind of being like, okay, if we, if we would like the person to stuff a Kong every night so mm-hmm. that their dog can eat a frozen Kong in the morning, then we want to talk to them about, you know, what is your nightly routine? Yep. Do you make dinner? Do you, do you do dishes? Does your partner do dishes? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what, what's your normal nightly routine? What's something that you do every night? And then try to weave the Kong making into that. In, into that. Yeah. Right. And because again, it can't just be, I resolve to make Kongs. I resolve to give my Kong, my dog a Kong every day. Can't, th- that's not going to help you. Your dog's not going to get any more Kongs. What is going to help is today you look at your schedule and you go, what's something I definitely do every day that's kind of in the vicinity of making a Kong? Because like, if you put a postie that says Kong, like on your bedside table and you've already like, brush your teeth and you're ready to wind down and you're ready to get in bed and you see that posting, you're not, I, I don't like you, but I'm not going to the kitchen then and make it. No. So it's gotta be like, what's a daily ritual that you do that reminds you about the Kong there or that, that you could use to remind you about the Kong, like the supplements with the coffee. Yeah. I could put a Kong next to the coffee, which mm-hmm. is a little reminder every day when the dog finishes it, I just stick it next to the coffee and then I will make it in the morning. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, those little things, like it can't, we just live in this culture that says that, that it's possible that you can or can't make a firm decision to do or not do. And it's not possible because that disregards the function of behavior. Mm -hmm. So rather than making some big resolution, we would like to propose that you have a look at some things that you maybe would like to change and you ask the questions. What's the function of the behavior that currently exists in its place that I'm going to be getting rid of to do this behavior? What is, and is this, if is the behavior I'd like to change truly a problem, you know, kind of what problem does it solve for me to Mm -hmm. make this resolution? And then how how is this going to be reinforced? Is it going to be a negative reinforcement contingency that I'm used to that works for me? Alarms are also negative reinforcement contingencies because you turn them off. Yep. Right. So I have an alarm set on my phone to do something every afternoon. It it rings. I turn it off and do the thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a cue and a negative reinforcement contingency all in one. Yep. And it doesn't, hurt me or cause me any problems and it makes my life better because then I do that thing Mm -hmm. you know looking at your life and kind of going where else is this contingency already in play that I can just weave this new one in so like if it's record keeping after training you're going to want to stick that notebook with a pen in your training stuff or in your training space or like where is it what's the other stuff you need for training need a clicker and treats great so you've got a clicker and treats in the cabinet and the training notebook goes right there Yep. And that way you take it out and you open it and you go, okay, last time I wrote down to do this, you do that. And then when you go to put the clicker and treats away, you write the thing down in your notebook first. So you put it away. Now we've just built that cue in. And then maybe you text your friend and you say like, Hey, this was my notes for today. Mm -hmm. So it's that little bit of social engagement 
that offers that positive reinforcement, we just won't be effective and we'll be way too shame and not enough fueled if we try to make resolutions in this traditional sense. Yeah. Yeah. And as you talk about it and as we explore the topic, it's amazing to me how I have to think about it so deeply with myself Mm. and how it comes way more naturally Mm. when I'm thinking about (laughs) my dog, right. Or my client's dogs. Like it's just just an interesting observation. Like it just feels simpler. Because you're never thinking this dog is not enough. This dog engages in this <laughs> behavior and then he's not productive enough. Totally. It's so convoluted. There's no shame yeah. when you look at dog behavior. There's you don't just, look at it. Yeah, that you're lens. right. It is like just such a, you just don't look at it through that lens. lens. Yep. Yes. And mm-hmm. you look at your own behavior through that lens and there, and that's what makes it so hard for you to change. So it. convoluted. Yes. Yeah. Mic drops. I'm Sarah Strumming. <laughs> so I think we didn't talk about this before, but is there something that you do want to change or do different with Sully going into the new year? Going into the new year, yeah. Yes. Um, and I'm gonna start today because I'm declaring because it. I'm making a firm <laughs> Because you also, that's the other thing that has to that's ineffective about resolutions, is you decide it's gonna happen later right? Yeah. 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 It yeah, should yeah. be now. It if you're going to do it, if do I want to do it. Yeah. Um, something with Sully that I will say, uh, that I hope listeners can resonate with. And I, Sarah's heard me talk about this all the time. Sometimes being present with him, like truly dropping in and being present with him is really painful for me because he's 13 and aging. And there's like, I am present with him and I do drop in and then it, it's really convoluted with like, I can start off really being so grateful and connecting with him and having fun and loosening up. And then I, I sometimes lead into the, like, <gasps> like I get very nervous and then it is a lot of pain and a lot of like sadness watching him have a hard time or thinking about him passing or whatever. Right. So there's Mm -hmm. this, I have this, I think I sometimes avoid being present with him because it can be painful. Um, it's punishing. Yep. And so, um, you know, I have a lot of friends that are just like, well, just be present with him and be grateful. And, you know, like I have a lot of friends that I like will have stopped actually talking to about this because it's like, I don't know. I think, I think there's room for both. I think like you can absolutely feel upset about your dog aging and absolutely have like a moment later where you are like, like just moments later, you can have this like amazing connective experience with your dog. I think there's room for all emotions. Um, but I would just, I would, I would like it to be less sad like if I'm looking at like a percentage, I feel like I would love to just have more present happy moments versus more like worrying about the future. So the problem behavior is the future tripping pre yes. pre grief type of yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. 
what function do you feel like that behavior serves for you? <laughs> Did we just get a little too deep for the podcast? No, no, I think it's good. Well, that. no, I think it's good because I mean, I'm happy to talk about this because I have, a, I mean, a lot of people have reached out to me to be like, I have an aging dog and this is so hard. And um, it is really hard. It's freaking hard. Um, the future tripping behavior, what's the function? If I had to take a guess, Ooh, when I, when I future trip, which I love that, like when I, when I'm out in the future and worrying about something, I'm like, Ooh, okay. I'm worried about that. So then I'm going to, um, what am I going to do today to prevent that from happening? There is some sort of like, it's avoidance too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's pre-planning. Um, it's the same as, um, it's, it's all anxiety behaviors are future mm -hmm, focused mm -hmm. and they're all safety driven yes yes it makes you feel safer if you are prepared for this yes yeah so you future trip to try to prepare mm -hmm. which i i feel like i mean i i, I can you just try to hear... prepare for something you can't prepare for really yeah, yeah there's so i can hear so many of my reactive dog clients like thinking about this right like they're they're worried about something that might happen or what somebody might think of them yeah you know, all of that to, in, in order, okay, it, then I'll do this to prevent me from experiencing that, prevent me from feeling that, yeah. whatever it is, right? So yeah, it's that for sure. Yeah, I had a therapist tell me once that um, anxiety is like constantly changing the tires on your car because at some for point you're going to get a flat tire. <laughs> oh my gosh, crazy making. <laughs> It's like constantly changing all the tires on your car. Yeah. That didn't really help me stop doing it, but it was a good metaphor. <laughs> it's a good, yeah. Good metaphor. So I just feel like I experienced this too. Iggy is turning 13 in a couple of weeks, in like 10 days, actually. And um, that's really rough for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I experienced this too a little bit. And I, what I decided, and this might not be what's right for you, what I decided is to let myself future trip when I, when I am doing it to like fully do it, have a meltdown, come back to planet earth and then be with my dog. Cause I decided it's not a problem behavior. And then on the flip side that I feel allows me to just take action steps towards enjoying her now and those action steps are usually I teach her new things I'm working on changing the way I do her toenails and trying to make that a fun training project instead of a chore mm -hmm. and um so then I've got that and it's like compartmentalized it's like I'm doing these actionable things like if I'm on a walk and I see her walking by I just kind of like watch her but then if I think about the future and start to feel scared mm -hmm. or sad. Mm -hmm. I just like fully go there. Yeah. And like speaking of Emily Nagoski, it, it, it through the it, tunnel, through the tunnel. You're totally, you're yeah. just like, yep. Oh, here's the sadness. It belongs as well. Like my friend Christy yeah. says like, Oh, here's the sadness. It, all like, of it belongs. Is all, that what she said? I yeah, loved it. All I loved of it, it belongs. And it's like, 
Yeah. So, so, so interesting. I love that we got to this particular example and then we decided that the behavior isn't problematic. Like that's so powerful because that, that continues to come up right through our examples. Like, is it problematic or is the, is is the judgment around it, the problem? The judgment around Mm -hmm. it's the toxic positivity of all the people telling you to be grateful and seize the moment and like be here now and all that. Mm-hmm. That's just toxic positivity. That's yeah, because that's yeah, because it doesn't leave room for the it disregards. Mm-hmm. Right, it doesn't leave room for the other very real emotions that you're having, and it disregards that that behavior has a function as well. Disregards that that behavior has a function. Mm-hmm. It does, and I don't think there's another thing that's going to meet the function other than just feeling the feeling and going through the tunnel. Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah, and there is no prep for. I mean, like he will decline right. he like like right it's not like, like you can do something else to actually prepare because you recognize yeah. that this might feel driven by preparedness but it's really driven by feelings of not not being safe mm-hmm. and needing to relieve that and feel safe and if you just i i'm actually trying to stop saying that i'm trying to stop say saying um just if, like, you just if you just yeah because that belittles like what it is we're actually talking about mm-hmm. if you decide to just sit with that sadness and go through that tunnel then you have actually met the function of that behavior because you've just allowed yourself to have that experience because because you can't do both at the same time I can't enjoy watching her walk down a trail if I'm also afraid she's going to die yeah so I have to like have the I'm afraid she's going to die and I know she is eventually feelings Mm -hmm. over here so that I'm able to that you're able to observe Mm -hmm. um, how nice it is that she's moving so beautifully down the trail and that her body can still do that Mm -hmm. it's not don't feel the sadness because look at this happiness it's feel the sadness so that you can fully look at the happiness yeah and it just I'm just thinking about all my other clients in terms of like them being so stressed about their own dog like if I was just a better trainer if I was just like all of those stories that we hear often at the end what is it that they're trying to avoid and how if they just, yeah, it's going to, yeah, someone's going to judge you on the street. Absolutely. It's going to happen. <laughs> and like, right. it's going to be uncomfortable. Sure. And now that you're able to get through that feeling, did you notice how your dog recovered? Yeah. Did you notice how you recovered? Right. Like how powerful that could be for clients as well. I think that's really big. I think mm-hmm. that if you go through this process with, these potential resolutions and you ask these questions, I think you'll find so often that things are not really problems. Yeah. I would love to hear from our listeners what, whether or not like that, yeah. that, that rang true. Yeah. Like maybe it's not a problem that your dog doesn't walk on a loose leash because maybe you can just 
put a front clip harness on them and then go enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, like, really like what's, what's the function of you wanting to resolve to finally train loosely walking? What's the function there? Probably that all comes back to shame. Probably it's that because you want to be able to walk down the street with your dog on just a flat collar and you feel like that's the holy grail of dog training. Uh-huh. And you look in control. And, like, and you oh, look in yeah. control and you look like you, my friend, <laughs> my friend Heidi always is like, you know, she'll point someone out and be like, I just feel like she has control over her life and I don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, you know, you'll just see... It was kind of our joke when we used to travel to do agility together. Like somebody would show up to the agility trial with like full makeup. Their hair looks great. They look great in their leggings and they go win the class. And Heidi and I would just be like, well, she has control of her life and we don't. <laughs> <laughs> if only I had control of my life. <laughs> and the best part is like, I mean, if you were to interview her, Oh, she would tell you all the all yeah. the things she doesn't have yeah. control over, and the fact that she's wearing a full face of makeup and has done her hair and is has her great like Lululemon leggings on because she doesn't think she's in control, yeah, and those totally. are the things she does that makes her feel in control, right? Like it's just we all have the same sickness, all of yeah. us. And so, if you look at it and you go, "I want to, I want to have my dog not pull me down the street on this leash." And so I'm going to train loose leash walking. That's my resolution. If you say, what's the function? And the function is because I don't want to be embarrassed. Then, you know, maybe getting really real about that and kind of going, what actually is that? You know, and maybe that is the function and that's fine. So you put a no pull device on the dog. Now the dog's not pulling anymore. And now you actually get to go on these nice long walks and you don't feel embarrassed. Like, didn't we just solve the problem in like one purchase? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like what's actually, and usually these people are walking their dog on a no pull device that they think they need to get away from because they think, cause somebody told them that it's not okay to use one for life. So again, just, is it a problem? Is it a problem? Yeah. Right. Well, we hope you have a fabulous holiday season. Yes, everyone without resolutions. <laughs> we hope that you don't resolve. We hope that instead you go through every tunnel of emotion and celebrate have a the nice heck time. out of yourself. Yeah. Celebrate. Yeah. Celebrate your dog. Celebrate you. And talk to us over in the Connection Summit community. Hey, everybody, hang out one second. I want to tell you about the brand new Cog Dog Classroom. This is a place where I'm going to be offering self-study courses for things like crate training, wellness, reactivity, puppies, and more. Right now, we've got Happy Crating up there. It's a webinar that you can buy and watch anytime to help you with your crate training. And I've also got my Four Steps to Behavioral Wellness course, which is a brand new imagining of the Four Steps concept. It comes with a video lecture from me as well as a bunch of written content. So I hope that you'll go check out Cog Dog Classroom. You know the link is in the show notes.